as we continue in our series of looking at the Beatitudes in this season of Lent, we're coming up on a part of the Beatitudes where we're just going to look at a verse at a time. And so instead of asking you to stand up for one verse and then having you sit right back down for it, I'm just going to invite you to hear and listen to these words for us today. Uh, from Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. So hear this word. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for this time together, for this time of worship, for this time of devotion and prayer. Lord, as we enter into this time, we ask you to open our hearts and our minds and our ears so that we may be attentive to your voice speaking to us. Turn out the distraction of our day, our lives, and even, yes, this season, so that we may hear from you. Lord, may I become less so that you may be more in this moment. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I remember when this show first came out, I didn't want to watch it at first. I didn't want to watch this show at first because it reminded me of an assignment in college that I never finished. Now, I finished it, but I finished it in a way of someone who was going to school full-time and then working about 60 to 70 hours a week full-time. I read three chapters of the book and wrote a book report off of it. I think I got an A, but I think the teacher knew better. The book was Friday Night Lights. We were to read this book about this story of this school in Odessa and their obsession with high school football. Abby eventually made me finish the book, and I think I eventually told the professor that I finally finished it 15 years after graduating college. But I remember when I finally got through by uh, my frustration with the show because it brought up too many bad memories, I remember watching it. I remember watching Kyle Chandler's performance of this guy by the name of Coach Taylor. This family man who also had a deep passion for what he did as a football coach. He loved his job. He loved nurturing those players. He loved just being on the field. And he loved, of course, to win. But if you remember from that show, there was a cadence that Coach Taylor would use to motivate his players. It was painted on the walls, and it was something that this team would chant before every game and before every time they would take the field. It was a rallying cry to remember who they were. Clear eyes, pure hearts can't lose. Clear eyes, pure hearts can't lose. What Taylor meant of that was if our Focus was completely upon the game. Undistracted by all the girlfriends and all the high school drama, and if they could focus in on their assignments on the field, 
quarterback played the quarterback position, the wide receiver played that wide receiver, and all the athletes came together as one team. If they remembered their assignments and what they were supposed to do, they would win. If their vision was clear, if their heart was pure, they would win. And I don't know if Coach Taylor or the writers of the show thought about it, but that phrase, clear eyes, pure hearts can't lose, sounds a lot like this beatitude. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. It's the sixth beatitude that we've studied on this season of Lent, this time of prayer, renewal, and reflection. And at first glance, this beatitude might feel like some of the others we've looked at. All right, it's making us think about our our spiritual lives and forcing us to think about who we are in faith. Yes, that's what the beatitudes are there for. This particular one, though, is going to force us to take a deep, hard look at our lives and whether we really match up with what God desires for us. If we truly have this focus that is pure in our walk with God. As we've seen in some of these other Beatitudes that we've looked at throughout these last few weeks together, we've remembered, or I hope we have remembered, a constant theme in that Jesus is calling back to some ideas throughout the Old Testament. He's quoted Isaiah 61. He's called that to mind in some of these Beatitudes, and he's doing it again here with Psalm 24. In Psalm 24, the psalmist writes that those who can climb to God... Those who can approach God have clear hands and pure hearts. Those who can worship God in in fullness, those who can love God in fullness, those who can experience God in the fullness of life are those with clear hands and pure hearts. Jesus is perhaps calling that to mind, this aspect of worship and being focused in worship as he's thinking about this beatitude. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. What might Jesus mean of this phrase for us? When we hear that word pure, our our thoughts might immediately go to clean, imperfect, without imperfections all thoughts and actions being pure and clean and holy. And maybe we even go to some of the things we've read in the Old Testament of the purity laws. If you remember in your reading of the Old Testament, there were two types of purity laws. Cleanliness codes, how we acted among the church and how we cared for one another. There were codes about how we kept the community safe and clean and healthy, and then there were codes about our morality. The cleanliness codes of 
that Jesus kind of did away with in his earthly ministry were ones about, hey, make sure you wash your hands before you come to church. You got some dirt on your hands, clean them up. Or, hey, if you're sick, stay away. Or don't eat certain things that haven't been cooked all the way because you don't know what a good medium well steak looks like. Of course, I like mine well done to where, you know, it's burnt. But that's another story for another day. The cleanliness codes were about how to take care of each other so that the church community could be safe and pure. The morality code was for us to live with a focus upon God, to be holy as our Heavenly Father is holy. That's a refrain we see throughout the Old Testament. It's even a refrain we see Jesus use in Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Our actions and our thoughts are to be pure so that all that we do can give honor and glory to God. That we seek to live with a desire to honor God. So this idea of purity, when we take in all of this, kind of gets us to think about where's our focus? What do we focus on in our life in God? Is our focus in God pure? And what I mean by that is, do we give God our full attention? Does God have all of our heart? Does God have all of our thoughts? Does God have all of our love? Does God have all of our desire? Or do we have kind of a distracted faith where God is just one of many? One of many focus points, one of many thoughts, one of many things that is guiding us. To have a pure thought, in life, in God, is to be completely focused on God in all that we do so that we can give God honor and glory in everything. And to be pure in our focus in the midst of our heart, the center and theology of our soul. The scripture writers and Old Testament prophets believe that the heart was the center of our life, of our soul, our ethics, and our lives. And so when we put all that together, is our heart completely focused on God? Do we love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength? And so this beatitude forces us to ask some hard questions of ourselves. And really, the season of Lent forces us to ask some hard questions. If we go to through Lent and never got our toes stepped on or never asked some hard questions of ourselves, we've not gone through Lent. We've gone through just Easter, pre-Easter, which is not really helping us to get to Easter. This time is about asking us hard, centric, holy questions that forces us to think about where we are in God. Is our hearts completely focused on God today? Is your heart focused on God even right now? 
or are you thinking about the NASCAR race later? Lunch. The bills you've got to pay. The errands you have to run after church. The fact you didn't get enough sleep last night. When we come to church and we come to worship or when we come to God, is God all that we think about? When we're in this time together, is giving God praise and glory all we think about? What about in our lives? Are we completely focused on living for God in everything we do? Or are we more interested in what our bosses say? Or how to make sure that we're in a bank that's not going to collapse right now? Or are we more interested in what the news media says? Or our favorite politician? Or our best friend that we haven't talked to in five years? Where does God fit in all of our conversations that we have every day? When we wrestle with hard things and hard truths, do we ask God, what is it that you need from me? What is it that you want me to do amidst of this conversation? Or do we go to our straight up talking points and just go there? How do we live in the community? Do we seek to serve God in everything that we do or are we only focused on ourselves? Do we do things for God only in the hopes that others will take notice so that we can get the praise and then kind of go like this, oh, I didn't mean to do that, but we are actually like, oh, thank you, please give me more attention. Do we do things so that people will just depend on us and not each other? Do we want the tension on us and not on God? Where's your focus? Now, we've had some good laughs along the way, and, and I know what those laughs are. Those are the uncomfortable laughs when the preacher's stepping on our toes, especially when I talk about lunch. But is our hearts completely focused on God today? Because to have a pure heart, our focus can't be on anything else but God and how God is informing our lives and how we live as a church, how we live within our families. Doesn't mean that these other conversations don't matter, but that they have to fall underneath the Lordship of Christ. And so maybe you were like me and had your toes stepped on a couple times. That's okay. That's what the season of Lent's all about, remember? One of the things that are great about the season of Lent is the time of renewal and prayer. To say, God, I, I recognize that, you know, when I think about you, I, I get distracted. When I write the sermon, Lord, I'm more worried about the Duke-Tennessee game than I am you. Or God, when I think about the church, all I can think about is all the finances and not you. 
or all the problems and not you. It's okay to admit that. But then when we admit that, we ask for God's forgiveness. To say, God, forgive me for making this less about you and more about me. And then we turn. That's what repentance is all about. It's about turning. It's about turning away from ourselves and turning towards God. So that our hearts may be completely focused in God in everything that we do. And when we do that, when we pray, when we reflect, when we repent, and when we seek God's grace, we'll find that God is working in our lives to keep us focused, to keep our hearts pure and to keep our hearts focused in on God. And God is doing that in each of our lives, helping us to stay focused on God so that we may grow in faith. And I think there's a way that God does that. Kind of like Coach Taylor, pastors have their own cadences that we use from time to time, and we use them to keep you focused. There's two that I've used. Love God, grow in faith, serve the Lord, and God loves you and so do we. Those are my Coach Taylor cadences. Every church I've served have probably got tired of me saying, love God, grow in faith, serve the Lord, and God loves you and so do we. You'll have to ask them, but, but they're important for us because they remind us of the story of God at work in our lives and helps us to keep focus. Because we're called to love God. We're called to worship to where and have a worship that our focus is completely upon God. We are all actors in a great drama of giving God glory. It might look that you're in the congregation, you're just watching this, and I'm the only one doing it, but really, if we really wanted to make this true, I would be, pre sorry online people, I would be in the middle with you, preaching from here. Because we're all in this together, worshiping God. It's not one person up the front doing this for you. It's all of us worshiping God together. As one body. To where our focus is together upon the cross and upon God. All of us together as one body love God to where our focus is completely upon God in everything we do. So when we love God, when we worship in a deep focused way, it's all of us as one body pointing to God and saying, God, I love you and I want nothing more than to worship you. And when we grow in faith, when we spend time in scripture, and when we spend time in prayer, and we wrestle with hard things in Bible study, and those of you who come to my Bible study will know we wrestle with hard things, I make them, I make them understand history in my class, you know, which is a good thing. They're shaking their heads, so that's a good thing. But when we study scripture, we fall in love more with scripture. If you've got a Bible at home that is dusty, and I'm not talking dusty because you haven't cleaned in a week, I'm talking dusty in that you haven't opened it since Reagan was president. If you've got one of those Bibles at home, it's not of use. 
because you're not using it and applying it. It's not good to just say that I love God and then never take the time to grow, go into our book that helps to reveal God's presence in our lives. And we grow with each other. And we you and depend upon each other to help keep us focused in prayer and accountable relationships. But we also serve in a way that helps us keep focused on God. Each of us have gifts and talents that God has blessed us with. Some stand in front and preach. Some lead. Some sit in the back of the church and help to know what each other's going through. Some are really good at reaching out to find new people and tell them the story of God's love. Some are really good about just making sure that we can do ministry. When we serve, we keep our eyes on God. The more we serve, the more we try, the more we keep at it, the more we are focused on God. And the more we find ways for God to be at work in our lives and through us. Church should never be about two people doing all the work or four people. It should be about all of us working together to keep our eyes focused on God and where God is leading us. When we love God, when we grow in faith, and when we serve the Lord, our hearts are pure because we keep focused on God. And when we do, we can see God at work. We can see God in our lives. We can see God in the fruits of the ministry. We can see God in the fruit of our connections and community. We can see God's presence at work in growing us spiritually and helping us to see God when that day comes and we all gather at the river of heaven and the righteous are gathered to see God when our focus is on God. So where's your focus today? How well are you focusing on God in your spiritual life? May we all have pure hearts that are completely focused on God so we can see the Lord. Will you pray with me? Most holy and gracious God, Father, Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for your love and your grace at work amongst us. And Lord, as we worship and love you, may all that we do give you honor and glory and keep our focus on you. In Christ we pray. Amen.